you're listening to episode 13 of the STEM space. Are you effectively supporting your students' learning? Are they grasping the skills you're trying to teach them? In this episode, Natasha shares some insight on using the behavioral learning theory to help educators like you and me help our students. Let's dive in. Welcome to the STEM space, hosted by Vivify co-founders Claire and Natasha. Two aerospace engineers turned educators, sharing our passion for all things STEM. Check us out at vivifystem.com. Hey, Claire, how's it going? Hey, good. So this has been a crazy back-to-school season. Mm -hmm. Are you surviving okay? (laughs) So far, treading water, but it's okay. Yeah, I just got back into grad school this semester on top of everything else. Um, So I've been trying to, among all the craziness, just focus on how people learn, which is what my class is this semester. Yeah, that would be super helpful to talk about because I, as you know, teach kindergarten through sixth grade this year, and there's a wide range of kids in their ability levels, and especially since A lot of them haven't been in school. All of them have not been in school since spring break of last year. The way that they are absorbing information is so different. And I really am kind of lost as to how to address some of these kids and the way that they learn. So I'm excited to dive into this topic. What can you teach me so I can help these kiddos? Well, let's put in a disclaimer here that I am just a graduate student. So I am not Mm -hmm. an expert or a master on any of this, but... I've learned a lot about how people learn. And right now we're covering different learning theories. So there's gonna be four different ones that we're covering in this class. And the first one is called behavioral learning theory. And let's just start off with, what's something that you're teaching your kids these days? So this week, one of the things that we are going to be doing is our drag device challenge, where kids have to learn about drag and gravity, talk about force body diagrams, and figure out how to slow down a rover, which is a ping pong ball, that's inside of a Dixie cup from hitting the ground too fast and then popping out of the cup. So they have to create some sort of drag device to slow it down as it's the ping pong ball is dropping in a Dixie cup. That sounds awesome. So in these learning theories, it really depends on the context. So each of the learning theories is a different lens or a way to look at how to teach someone something. And so every theory isn't going to apply in every situation. And so, for example, you're teaching the drag device. Well, if we step back, they are trying to apply the engineering design process, right? Right. Which is a skill that you have to teach them. First, you're going to identify the problem, and then you're going to talk about the constraints, and then you're going to have to brainstorm. So that's different than the concepts. And tell me again, what were some of those concepts you were teaching? Gravity and drag or air resistance. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what I'm learning from behavioral learning theory is this theory does not help you at all on how to teach gravity and forces. This is about skills. So this is something where you have to model it like the engineering design process, or if we can take an easier example, I know you're trying to learn piano, right? Yes. (laughs) Your daughter is trying to learn it. You're kind of doing it with her. I'm trying. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So this would be a perfect way. 
the example she had us do, since we're doing virtual classes right now, um, she had us watch a YouTube video and we could pick whatever video we wanted on how to do something. So if you were going to Google how to, what would you Google? How to make a good salad. I love it. <laughs> so when you watch these instructional videos, what's something that can be frustrating when you see a video and you try to replicate it? When they are using words that I don't already understand. <laughs> yeah. And then if you, they tell you do this and you don't, can't see exactly what they're doing or they do it too quickly and you try yes. to replicate it. And it, they make it look so easy, right? Like you throw some mm -hmm. things in a bowl and you get this beautiful looking salad. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have like the Pinterest fail <laughs> when you try to <laughs> replicate it. What we're finding is that the teacher is so important. And right now, when a lot of us are doing distance learning and we're trying to teach these skills to students, it is so difficult to teach it through a screen and you just show them mm. a video and then they try to do it themselves. So this theory has three different steps. The first one is model. So you can do that through a video where you just show them how to make a salad, how to play piano, how to go through the engineering design process. But the second step is practice. So then the kid needs to go and independently try to do it. So you go off and you try to make your salad. But number three is feedback. And that's where you have to have a teacher where you need to have that live feedback. And so when you mess up, oh. you get stuck. There's vocabulary you don't understand. Every student, you know, is going to be a little different. They're going to get stuck somewhere different. And that's where it's so important to have a teacher. I find it so struggle. I struggle with that right now when we're sending home these videos to students you can't be there to, when they get stuck, right? When they're doing that drag device right. and they can't figure out why the ball keeps popping out or the parachute, you know, they don't realize it should be larger to slow down faster. And so I've been trying to apply, you know, these theories to what's happening right now in distance learning. And so one way you could possibly change that is you have the students work on it on themselves and then you do a live Zoom session where they bring their problems to you. It's not perfect. You know, it's difficult because they are going to have a harder time doing it independently if you're not mm -hmm. in that classroom environment. But that's one way to help support students is the asynchronous, what they call asynchronous learning, right? Where yes. your teacher and students are separate. It just really doesn't support student learning. It takes the teacher completely out of that learning process. And what we're finding is that teacher is so critical in helping students learn something. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think... That's why some of the tools that we've been talking about are so useful, such as like Flipgrid or something where you can send student videos, because then that shows the teacher what exactly the kids are doing and then be able to address those things. I mean, it's simple as like, you know, when I go to the grocery store and I'm looking for something really obscure, I'm bringing up cook cooking because that's a struggle of mine, I feel like, that I have not mastered as an adult. But, you know, I'll call my mom and I'll be like, hey, mom, so I'm in the grocery store and I know I'm an adult now, but where, what are chickpeas and where do I find them? <laughs> and so, like, I FaceTime so I can show her what aisle I'm looking in so she can see and troubleshoot with me because she can see what I'm doing, right? <laughs> so I think that's really valuable when you have students. Yeah, if you're not there, then how can you address or redirect where they are going wrong. So yeah, exactly. that makes total sense. And as we dig into some of the other learning theories, it'll be even more critical, especially when you're trying to teach something very abstract, like forces and gravity, not mm. having that teacher there can really hinder a student's ability to understand that concept. 
But looking back at these skills that we're teaching, so this learning theory, again, the steps were you model something. So you could watch that cooking video or you can show them how to do something. They go practice it and then you give them feedback. And you might have to go back and model it again and then they need to go practice. I remember when I was learning piano, I would have a one hour lesson. So that's my modeling phase. And then I have to practice 30 minutes every day. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> But I would go back and get feedback. And so every week it was the same cycle and then I could play the piano. And so that's the common um, theme with these skills. But there are other skills that we're teaching in the classroom. So how to work in teams, how to be respectful of other students, how to ask good questions. We model those as teachers when we ask good questions, when we're respectful mm -hmm. of other students. Those kids are always watching. And I know as a parent, I'm trying to be careful because I realize that my daughters are watching <laughs> right. and I have to model those good behaviors. And one of the parts of this learning theory is a reward system could work here. And I know you're using a reward system if you want to talk about that. Yes. So the reward system I use in my classroom is called Awesome Points. And so I have a jar that is actually like a plastic container I got from Walmart that every time I catch a student showing growth mindset, either by encouraging their teammates or by talking positively about themselves, meaning like if they do something like, oh, I have a great idea or, oh, I bet I'm going to try harder this time, something that's positive, then I hand them a pom-pom and they get to add it to the jar. So it's a class reward system that as more students earn these awesome points, they fill up the jar. And when the jar is completely filled, we get to do something awesome like launch a rocket as a class. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. How are they so, doing? Are they getting a lot of points? Uh, some of them are. They've actually lost <laughs> them so far because you can lose awesome points by talking negatively about yourself or your classmates. So as we're getting more into engineering design challenges and they're experiencing failure, that's really giving, giving them a lot of good opportunities to either succeed or fail with the awesome points. So I've got a couple times where they lose them where they're like, oh, you know, Brandon, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, oh man, that's not the right way we encourage our classmates. So they lose an awesome point. But a couple classes are, are starting to get there. Well, you're only a few weeks into school, so I'm yeah, sure they'll right. start picking it up. <laughs> that's right. We're at week five, so we'll see. Well, I think it's so important to just be aware of this learning theory in terms of these skills in teaching our kids just to be good human beings. <laughs> we don't really think about mm -hmm. that in an engineering or science classroom, but when we're putting them in teams, especially, and we're seeing how they're interacting, that's the perfect opportunity to use those awesome points or whatever system you have. And also having, giving them examples though, of what is considered awesome, what's yes. acceptable behavior when you model it, but also being very direct. Here's how I communicate with a friend. You know, here's mm. how we share supplies, really showing them, especially at the elementary level, because you know, they, <laughs> they're not the best at sharing sometimes. Right. <laughs> and so this is something that can be done with this theory. First you model it, then they practice it, and then you give them feedback. And we can take that back, we were talking earlier with engineering design process. The kids aren't naturally gonna know how to think like an engineer. So you need to walk them through and model it. And we'll drop some links below of, you know, how to walk students through the engineering design process. We have some handouts and videos where we, with our instructional STEM space videos, where we walk students through that design process. Yes, so I hope that was great. helpful. 
Very helpful. I'm excited to think more about that as I teach my students this week. And a little teaser, uh, next time we're going to talk about developmental learning theory. So stay tuned. Awesome. See you then. See ya.